Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease A Sales Rep, an Inc. 5000 company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can also find us at leaseasalesrep.com, and we are on all major social media channels. I'm excited today because I get to interview Mark Hunter, man, that's a cool name. Mark Hunter, and his business is called thesaleshunter.com. Wonderful branding there. Uh, Mark is a um, is a has a sales training firm. Does a lot of sales training. Does sales coaching. Uh, also some sales consulting. I've heard him speak at one of the conferences, and he's a gifted speaker. So I'm looking forward to kind of uh, chat with him a little bit and uh, discuss uh, some stuff about him personally, but also the business that he has and. What does he see in the marketplace and what challenges our companies are facing when it comes to sales? So welcome, Mark, to the Sales Prospector Show. Hey, thank you for having me on. Looking forward to talk all things sales and who knows what else we'll get into. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So uh, t- tell us a little bit about, um, about the business and how you started the, the Sales Hunter and kind of like your trajectory uh, into that, you know, into this business. Yeah, well, uh, the trajectory is the last name is my real last name. People always ask me, what, what was your name before you changed it? To, no, I owe it to my parents. So anyway, uh, I was in corporate jobs, corporate sales jobs for about, oh, I don't know, 16, 17 years and just got sick of working for somebody else. So 20 years ago, this October, I walked out the door and began really doing a tremendous amount of consulting, which then kind of morphed into training. And now really what I do primarily is just speaking at conferences, speaking, speak, you know, speaking to larger groups. Uh, but I still do. I, I, I still get a kick out of it. I was doing some consulting this morning with some clients, very small clients, and, and, and I love doing that. Uh, so it, it's all over the place. But you know what? It's about sales because sales is fun. Sales <laughs> yeah. is really fun. Well, that's great. So 20 years you've been doing this. So when you left corporate, obviously it's been a long time and sales then, they used to have yellow pages then and the, the books that, yeah, they, up until recently we were still getting. So Hey, hey, that, that is a yellow book behind me. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, Mark is, a, is an author. He also has a book called High Profit Prospecting, which I have right here. So all my followers can see I've actually read it and um, you know, it has some really good stuff and it's kind of marked up right there um, as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good resource. You did a good job, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people are reading it. So, so you, you went into, obviously started your own gig, um, got tired of, of, I guess, working for corporate and uh, became a, a sales trainer, consulting and the like. Um, when you're traveling across the country and you're consulting with clients and um, doing training and doing your speaking. What are the common things you're seeing uh, right now today in today's sales environment with challenges that customers have? Um, just, just to kind of, what are you seeing across the board generally? Yeah. The, the biggest challenge that people are wrestling with is how do they engage customers when they don't want to be engaged? I mean, this is, this is the whole thing, you know, and she, they say, nobody picks up the phone, nobody responds to email. Yeah. So this, this whole prospecting thing is still, is still the number one issue. It's always been the number one issue. Right. Uh, but now what people are doing is they're saying, well, how, how does this social selling work and all that sort of stuff? And, 
And, and I think, unfortunately, that creates a lot of bad diversions. For Now, there's nothing wrong with social selling, but sometimes what happens is you can get drunk on Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. You've got to be careful because it's amazing how well the telephone still works and, and really the tools that have been around for prospecting for years and years. So really what's changed is we have all these new sets of tools out there. But what we don't really know yet is how to use those tools effectively uh -huh. to create better prospects. Uh, and, and, and I use that word greater prospects um, really seriously because th there's a funny issue. Um, it's not about getting leads. I mean, marketing departments out there all over the place can get you leads. It's, it's called emails. It's called that sort of stuff. I, I want really good leads. That's, that's where the challenge is. It, it, you know, how do I get that really good lead? Because if I have a good lead, I can close them a lot faster and sure. I'll close them at full price. Yeah, I guess the, um, the, the prospecting questions that people tend to have is that, like you just said, they're not, people are not responding to voicemails, they're not responding to emails. How do we get them to respond uh, to our voicemails and emails so we can have an initial 15-minute discussion and then from there progress to the next stage, whether it's a demo, a, a full-time, you know, another 30-minute meeting or something like that. Uh, what have been, I guess, best practices for you um, and uh, what you've seen kind of tends to work? I'll tell you what we have seen in some of the challenges, but what have been best practices for you? Well, I think the number one best practice is you got to read your shampoo bottle. Read your bottle of shampoo. There's a key word on that bottle of shampoo. It says repeat, repeat. <laughs> we, we, we have to be willing to uh, connect and reconnect and reconnect and reconnect, reconnect. Because that prospect that we're trying to reach out to, uh, they, may, they really probably don't want to talk to us they, because they really don't see the value of what we can bring to them. That's why I've got to have the conversation. But I've got to create that value for them in my messaging uh -huh. in order for them to say, I will engage with you. I will have a conversation with you. And, and again, this is where uh, so many salespeople fall down. Now, this is where social selling does come into play because uh, – there's a phrase I love to use. Trust is the currency of business. Trust is, is the currency of business. And one of the things that social media allows us to do is it allows us to create trust that precedes us into, into the conversation. For instance, uh, I have a lead that I materialized just about two hours ago. What did I do before I called them back? Oh, by the way, I didn't email them back. I called them back. But before I called them back, I immediately went out to the internet to see what does it say about their company? What does it say about them? See, trust, you know, trust is set up by what social media says. So what did that do? In, in literally 20 seconds, 30 seconds, I was able to figure out more about what they are to make the call. And, and that's one of the big things that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call this out right now. So many salespeople uh, say, well, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna follow up with them by way of email. Pick up the phone, call them, call them. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that train of thought um, that when we're talking about lead quality and qualification of leads, right? So you, in your particular example, you got somebody that was a lead for you. You checked it out and not evidently this person, company, whatever it is, seemed to be qualified based on your qualification criteria, I'm assuming, and you went ahead and picked up the phone and called them. Um, what about when it, those leads that come in, let's say like what I would 
whether it's a web form or something like that, and you look at the business, you look at, uh, you know, you do your social media thing, you do a 30 second a minute kind of check, you know what? We really don't want to talk to these people because quite frankly, although maybe they could be a potential customer, but maybe email is the best route. Now, so you're not wasting time on a social kind of call, basically. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that very much real. Uh, the vast majority of leads that come in. Now, let's, let, let's start separating what we mean by leads. Uh, so many times people think, well, gee, just because they downloaded an ebook or they went out to your website that you think they're a lead. No, they're just somebody who's looking. looking. Uh, I don't value those as leads. I mean, I, I value those as marketing engagement activities. In other words, those are the ones that are going to get, you know, an email or something like that. I know from a sales perspective, and, and, and I have to realize this, the most valuable as, asset I have is my time. So I got to make sure I spend my time on the most valuable prospects, the most valuable leads possible. So you're right. I've got to do a very quick separation. My whole objective is I, I really want to qualify you fast. Well, I really want to disqualify you fast. Right. So I only spend my time with the best prospects. I, I totally agree. And um, as, as being transparent as an organization ourselves, we, um, what we call, we, we tend to say that we're in the disqualification business. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Um, so we are trying to determine whether we're the right fit for anybody who reaches out to us and disqualify them fast. And it's ironic that sometimes we are so brutal in doing this in a sense of we respond and say, you know, based on a review, you know, of whatever your website or what your needs are and your industry vertical size of company, whatever it is, we may not be specific in our response, but we'll do the assessment and say, we're not the right company for you. Some people actually, Mark, will get upset um, that we disqualified them so quickly uh, and uh, they kind of take it personal. And uh, now, now we're in trying to, now we're in damage control mode because we responded so quickly because time is extremely valuable to us. We want to be on the phone with the right prospect, not talking a half hour, somebody who can't really afford a service like ours or a service like yours. Uh, right. So the challenge is that balance, man. Um, what, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, just to just knock it out and ignore it and just move on? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this is where I've, I've got to engage you quickly in a conversation. And if you can't share with me some sort of a need, some sort of an outcome that you have early on, um, I'm going to move you to the back of the pack. And oh, don't say that, oh, well, what's your price? You know what? I'm just really looking for a price. Uh, anybody who calls and asks for that quick price, I'll give them a quick price. Yeah, it's usually less than a billion dollars, but sometimes it's more. Uh, because, well, you know, think about it. The person who's asking you for the quick price, yeah. what are they doing? They're, they're looking just to really get a price that they can use for somebody else, use with somebody else, use against you for somebody else. And I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to play in that game because the customer who buys you on price is going to leave you on price. Uh, I'll leave that for Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Usually what we call their attire kicker. Uh, you got it. They are just shopping around for the lowest price or they want to use you as, you know, as a quote for somebody else to drive them down, you know, that kind of thing. So you could be either a Nordstrom, right? Or you could be a Walmart. Okay. Gee, it sounds like you've read my you've read my book. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I prefer to be Nordstrom. 
some people will prefer to be Walmart, and that's fine. Yeah, right? and you know what? Those are both great business models. Yes, exactly. You see, this is what you do. You, you, you really have to define what your business model is mm-hmm. and then say, those are the prospects I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going after. And just because a prospect has a heartbeat right. doesn't mean they're qualified to buy from me. I mean, my dog, I've got a dog who's got a heartbeat. My dog is not buying anything from me. <laughs> what, um, what are you seeing as far as uh, on the ground um, uh, feedback from your, I guess, your clients, people you're training, you know, consulting? How many touches is it taking uh, email, phone call, social to get the ideal prospect on the phone? to have a conversation. Yeah, you know what I'm finding is it's becoming more and more segmented by industry. Uh, This is, we are long past this whole era of just having kind of this uniform piece. I'm seeing some industries where it's it's just a couple of calls is all it takes. And yet I'm seeing other industries where it may take, you know, 10, 15 messages, even just to get them to warm up. So again, I, I, it's, it, there's not a universal. And what I'm also finding is that there are some that are, some industries much more amenable to the telephone, other industries much more amenable to even text messaging or social media. But where I really get hung up in social media and social selling is people forget the definition of the first word, social, social. It's not selling, it's social, <laughs> please. Right. Create the relationship first. <laughs> I got you. Are you able to elaborate a little bit on, you know, what, whatever you remember as far as industries that maybe a little bit easier? Yeah. yeah. Some of the ones that um, uh, texting may work and, you know, things like that, just to give uh, yeah. our, us a little bit of data. Yeah. When, when I'm dealing with more very much tech-oriented, software-oriented industries, Texting is really is really becoming the best means because it tends to be a millennial person and text even surpassing anything by anything by way of the internet. There are industrial. Um, I, I was with an industrial group back here, back here about a week ago. They sell industrial services, industrial supplies, and they're finding it's the telephone. But what they find is it's the telephone geared to very specific segments. In other words, if they're selling a, a replaceable item, boom, they can normally get through within two calls. But conversely, if they're selling something that's more going to be seen as a capital expenditure, then it, it can go on forever. Um, so it's, it's all over the place. But I think this is what makes sales fun. Mm-hmm. Because once you figure out the secret sauce, mm-hmm. And you figure out the secret sauce for each segment that you sell into, mm-hmm. then you really, really increase your success. Yeah, that, no, that's good. That, that's good. Uh, and I think that uh, s- some of the people that we talk to as a company, but also just connections in our network, is ask us for their our feedback on what they're trying to do. Um, you know, they ask these questions of regarding how many touches and the like, and I think that um, the tech software space is multiple touches um, uh, in, in the sense of if you're in the middle market or you're in the enterprise level kind of client versus now texting for us. I mean, we we don't do texting as an organization. Maybe we should look at it, but um, we don't do texting because we think that, again, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, we think that that's probably someone, let's say a millennial, lower down on the food chain. If you're selling them a product or something for them, okay, but if you're trying to get into a large middle market enterprise level client, like you, you're selling, you know, you're training, coaching, consulting, speaking, you're, you're selling to a different type of person. So your approach would be different. I and, and Gil, you said that so spot on because that's one of the cr critical things. Again, this industry, but then you got to look at where am I at? Where am I at in the industry? Mm -hmm. And in, ter in, ter in terms of the position, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'll, I'll share a technique that that I have used for years, and I shared. I shared this with the companies. If I'm trying to reach a senior level person, mm -hmm. one of the best ways for me to reach them is with a email sent at six fifteen on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's radical. That's in the book. Yeah, it's, it's in the book. It's oh, in the book. I thought, okay. Yeah. 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 And, 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 but what, what I found is that senior level people don't stop working. They don't stop working on the weekend, but on the weekend is when they finally have time to maybe dig in and go through some emails that they haven't. Gotcha. Uh, th th there's a certain style of email that you got to write. There's a certain style. You got to use very concise bullet points and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I have found, and, and I've shared this technique, in fact, I'll share a story. Uh, I was working with a company that sells into the health healthcare industry. And the salespeople were very, very skeptical, but they deal with hospital administrators, senior administrators, uh, hospital. And I was doing kind of a multi-engagement deal. I was coming in once a month for three or four months. And I shared it with them on one month. And uh, a lot of them were very skeptical. We came back together the following month. And the ones who had tried it said, wow they were blown away at the level of success they had mm. um, that an email that they would send out at, you know, six fifteen on Saturday morning, that healthcare administrator, that hospital administrator would email back, you know, late morning. Now the whole key thing is you don't sit there and wait till Monday to engage with them. Cause then if you wait till Monday, you're going to be seen as a slimy salesperson. But if you turn around and, and respond back to their email at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, they go, wow, she's working. She's working. I like that style. He's working. I like that style. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, the actual uh, data sets that people use to prospect, right? You got um, uh, certain industries that uh, have certain data sets, right? Um, for particular industry verticals. Uh, or you just have, you know, data that you just buy from, you know, list services, right? And um, there's two schools of thought here. One is take the list. They're going to give, they're going to give you a name on that list and the phone number and the company name, industry vertical, let's say tech software, let's say $15 million or more. Just to give you an example, you call, you don't, you don't have the name of the decision maker, but you call into that company and try to work around to try to find who that person is. Or do you take that information? If you don't have the actual person you're trying to reach, let's say purchasing manager, go on to LinkedIn, try to get a purchasing manager's name, and then call into that organization with that purchasing manager's name, which, again, one slows you down, and you can almost get somewhat of the same result, depends. Right. Uh, or do you slow down and, and take that and get that name? Yeah, 
I'll always go for the latter with the exception of I can't stand purchasing. I'll try to go to the user, the true decision maker, et cetera. But I prefer the latter. And, and here's the reason. Now, there are some people who very much say, just give me the list and I'm going to make 100 calls. I'm going to make 500 calls. I'm going to use some sort of an automated system. I, I'm just not a big fan of those. Now, you can, get, you can develop great results. No arguments about that. I prefer to say, let me do a little bit of research, try to zero in, and let me try to make 10 or 15 calls and, and focus my effort there. And I'm going to repeat, just I'm going to use that word on the back, on the on bottom of every shampoo bottle, repeat. Right, rich repeat. 10, 15, time and time again. Gotcha. Okay, so that, uh, yeah, be more focused with your energy and your calling versus, um, yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, because he... he Here's the whole thing. If, if, if you have like, gee, I've got you a thousand leads. Well, the problem is making a thousand phone calls, you may get some business, but even a blind squirrel will find an occasional acorn. Right. Uh, it, the challenge is to be able to be able to repeat, repeat, repeat. And if I have a thousand people I'm trying to call, I'm not going to be able to come back around and, and repeat those phone calls for probably a couple months. Well, then it's just a waste of time. Total mm -hmm. waste. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I understand. Um, yeah, it's so the more focused you are, the better. Uh, it is what it sounds like to me. If you can just slow down a bit, spend whatever the time it is, a half hour, an hour, just getting some real names of people in those companies and then bang them out. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and it really doesn't take long. I mean, there, there's some great tools out there, whether it be a Zoom uh, uh, info, mm -hmm. uh, which is great, uh, yeah. Discover Org. Uh, Another great tool, or just simply really learn how to use Google. I mean, Google as a, as a, um, I mean, you can do some deep dives mm -hmm. and uncover some unbelievable information. If you just kind of understand how to put quotes, how to, how to exclude words, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Do those certain searches. Um, in when we were in college, I don't know if they still use this term, Boolean searches. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that, that's really the, the language, so to speak that um, they use. And uh, th there's a gentleman I talk about in the book. In fact, I, I partner with him on a lot of things, Sam, Sam Richter. Okay. Um, he is the guru when it comes to understanding how to use that from a sales perspective. Really? Um, so leave a voicemail or don't leave a voicemail? I prefer to leave a voicemail. Now, I, I'm not expecting you to return the call. I know. I get that. But what I do want to do is I'm going to use it as a marketing message and I'm going to leave a very tight 11 to 14 second voicemail. I'm really kind of viewing it almost as a billboard along the side of the highway. I mean, that's really what I'm kind of viewing it as, uh, but it's going to just boom, 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 it's tight, short message. And the reason I like 11, 14, 16 seconds, somewhere in there is because I want to demonstrate to you that I'm going to respect your time. Mm-hmm. This person I just reached out to, this lead, I called the person. She was not there. I left her a very tight voicemail. Hopefully, she'll call back. If she doesn't, it's okay. I'm going to try to reach back out to her again tomorrow. Right. Name and phone number on the front, name and phone number on the back. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I always make sure. And I don't even really put the phone, my phone number right up front. I'll just say my name. I'll say what my call to action is. And then I'll say, I'm Mark Hunter. Here's my phone number. And I'll repeat it a second time. Yeah. We uh, we do the phone number on the front. 
that yeah. our name on the front and then we, we close it on the back because you know people sometimes write the name the message then they delete <laughs> you know, oh so. yeah you certainly want i mean this is the whole thing you, yeah. you got to make sure that you leave that phone number twice that's so important right just because just people are just distracted and uh they may not get it the first time and say it's slow and clear and uh and uh and the like um i guess your your, your thought on and your approach to um closing sales with a interested prospect and i can i can give you our process relatively in, in three or four steps five steps um but somebody is your prospect they've already expressed interest you um take them taking them through your sales process for you to closing for your business make this real personal right um take us through what that process looks like yeah, well, for, first of all, speed sells, all others lose. Um, and, and I didn't subscribe to that five years ago. I did not subscribe to that. Here's what I want to do. Early on, as fast in the prospecting phase, I want to be able to A, qualify you, but find out what that outcome is. Find out the outcome. What's, what's that benefit? What's that need that you're looking for? Soon as I know that and I have a sense for how you make a decision, I'm going to try to close you. In other words, I, I, th there's no sense in, in lengthening a process just for the sake of lengthening it. I mean, I see sales. I, I was with a company. I was asked to come in and help a company figure out their sales process. Well, it became pretty obvious when they showed me their sales and they had 32 steps, 32 wow. steps in their sales process. Wow. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I think we can figure out what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good because um, our process is very similar. Just qualify you right now. You qualify, um, find out what your need is, uh, determine um, if you're the decision maker, who else is involved in the decision making process. Right. Um, what is your timeline? Those um, are, see, that's the, when you have that critical information. Yeah. Then don't sit there and, and draw this out into some lengthy, lengthy thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So we're, we're similar in nature in the sense of what, the way we see a sales process going. What's interesting about LinkedIn, I was talking to one of my managers the other day, and, um, and, I, and I'm just being transparent here with you. Uh, some people are going to hear this on the, on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say um, was, uh, Gil, sometimes you may not be the best person uh, to talk to a prospect because, because when they get to you, sometimes you, you're going to be like to the point, identify the need, get them into a timeline, get them to the next decision making process and kind of move to close. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, uh, we need to kind of knock a better word. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta baby them a little bit. We gotta you know, take them a little bit through the process, still close them, but move them a little bit slower down the food line. So I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, I had, I have, I have, um, gotten people in a very, you know, very short timeline, but sometimes or they may get a little bit uncomfortable because they, they know they're being sold. I mean, that's the, you know, oh, I, yeah, huge. so go ahead. Yeah. Huge on that. And, and yeah. you have to understand that the sales process is value creation mm -hmm. and customers want value creation in different manners. You know, there are some people who want to have that massage, want to, want to be, you know, have this, have it. And, and that's what we have to be able to understand as a salesperson. 
and then be able to pick up or slow down. But here's the whole thing. I don't want to talk to those people. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I hear you because we, we this, is, this is what drives me nuts with so many salespeople. They'll have this great call and then they'll sit there and say, uh, yeah, well, let me put a proposal together and I'll send it to you in a couple of days. And then they just email them the proposal. Oh, stupid. You never do that. I don't want you to ever get a proposal from me that I am not talking to you either in person, by way of video, or minimally on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'll give you, this is, now this is a B2C example. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, looking to replace the, I'm looking to replace my driveway. And I had a contractor come over and he talks to me and he gives me his bid. Mm-hmm. It's in this folder. It's in this folder. Didn't even tell me to open it up and look at it. Wow. Then he left. No sales process. No, no, no sales process. But you know what? And, and, and I'm kind of laughing at, wow, this guy's lousy. But you know what? It's what a lot of sales, a lot of prof- professional salespeople do too. Yeah. And I guess uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I guess the question, the, the, the managers that are telling me that Gil, you may not want to speak to certain people. And um, so I need to identify those people who want to be more massaged a little bit and talk to in a different kind of way versus the ones who are kind of like hard hitting, you know, just give me the facts, you know, um, and, and we'll go forward from there. So I need to kind of figure that out. So, you know what? You don't want to speak to Gil. I mean, when I get, they, they, they get to me and say, you don't really want to speak to me. You want to speak to Jeff. <laughs> it's kicked somewhere else to one of my people because I, I just, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I, this is my, my psychology is just, get them into the process. When I'm on LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn. It's a good segue into this question for you. I'm seeing a lot of stuff about um, making the prospect, provide value to the prospect, clearly. Can you help them be uh, empathetic, you know, uh, that you know, you're taking care of their needs and wants and, and making sure you're the right fit. Um, it's kind of like this warm and fuzzy kind of babying kind of approach. And, and if, you, if you are really one of those people that really care, I'm just saying this in general, that really care about helping the customer, then that's going to come from a genuine place. Uh, and, but at the end of the day, if you're not, and then you're feigning that in order to close a sale, even though both sales reps want to close a sale. So I'm like, I see this stuff and, and, I, and I, don't, I don't go out there and say what I really want to say. But I'm like, you know, this is, we're in a sales game here, okay? We need to close deals, get people into a, into a timeline, disqualify them out and close them. So I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of this warm and fuzzy stuff, man. And I'm like, you know, where did the real sales process, hardcore closer, let's, let's get this thing signed here. If not, six months, you're ready? No problem. Listen, I appreciate the conversation. I'll reach out to you in six months. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this warm and fuzzy thing that at least I'm seeing? I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, well, the... The warm and fuzzy drives me nuts. Now, there's two things that are happening. Sometimes the warm and fuzzy is just throwing stuff out there on the internet again to, again to create that trust. But here's, here's what I want to do. We don't do our customers a service. If we draw this thing out and we don't do it a service to them, if we try to say, let me take your order right now. There is that element of trust that has to be created. And, and let's break down what trust really is. Trust is, is really having this level of confidence. And confidence goes both ways. The customer's got to feel confident with me 
and I've got to feel confident with them. Mm-hmm. Only when we have that level of confidence and trust does truth have a chance to come out. Mm-hmm. And see, this is, this is what happens sometimes when salespeople try to close too quickly. There's no confidence. Right. So there's no truth. Or it gets long drawn out that we just totally lose sight of what's going on. Yeah. And truth doesn't come out. The real truth doesn't come out. So, you know, there is now you're kind of saying, Mark, you're kind of, you're kind of waffling back and forth. No, I'm not. Because what I'm saying is that sales is a people business. It's a people business. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I was having a fascinating discussion the other, the other day with a gentleman regarding AI. Will artificial intelligence replace salespeople? And um, no, it won't. It won't. Mm-hmm. As long as we create the value of the human interaction. Mm-hmm. But see, if all we're doing is asking robotic questions, if all we're doing is going through a robotic process, then we will be replaced. Mm-hmm. Right. I got you. Yeah. And there is value for the salesperson. I agree. I think AI, AI is very good for screening. I think initially like certain oh. questions, five questions, again, depending on what you're selling service product, B2B, B2C, it's probably good, but then at some point they got to get to a live body to have a conversation. Um, so I think there is some value there if you have a lot of volume. I think, but yeah, yeah I agree. It's not gonna, it's not gonna replace the salesperson. You only need somebody. It's, I mean, sure, there may be less salespeople in theory, but I think there's always gonna be a, a, a place for a highly qualified, value-based person um, who knows how to close a sale, particularly a high-end sale. Yeah. Um, in, in, um, in my opinion. So I think that, that is, that that's definitely be something that's going to be uh, needed no matter what, just salespeople. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we were looking at, um, I, one of the questions I, I had, uh, threw out to you was, um, higher ed and, uh, sales education. And, uh, I, I, I called quite a number of schools over the couple of years and, uh, I've even gone to some, I looked at some of the, the stuff that they're, they're, they're showing or not showing, not teaching some of the curriculums that they have in the higher ed for sales. It's like it's it, it old books that, I mean, it is amazing that, that it, they, they don't even have a sales and marketing course on how to identify a prospect, generate a lead, qualify, close them. Nothing like that. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm, do you see the same thing that I'm seeing in your part of the country and wherever you travel? Yeah, yeah, and it's funny that you bring that question up because I was just on the campus yesterday of University of Texas at Dallas, and they have one of the fastest up-and-coming sales-focused uh, programs. Really? And uh, really, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, and, and, and let me give you a very quick example. Uh, in this particular class, they have two sessions at this class. They've only had two classes, and yet yesterday I was a judge in what they call their speed cell. And they had two minutes, two minutes, with which to get my attention and get an appointment set up for a follow-up conversation. Mm -hmm. And no textbook teaches that. So, I mean, there are some schools out there that have moved themselves forward. What was very interesting was at this particular speed cell competition, there were seven, 17 judges. I was the keynote speaker for kind of a one-day event they were having. But the other 16 judges were all sales companies from the Dallas area. Guess what? Recruiting. Recruiting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so there are some schools out there that get it, that have made the transition, but you are right. There's a lot of them that, because it's some, it's some tenured professor yes. who uh, teaches this, this, this one session, one semester every other year. And gee, I've had this textbook for 10 years. It worked good 10 years ago. What's changed? Let's, let's keep using it. Yeah, that, that's leaving a bad taste. But it, there are some schools out there that have um, jumped the shark. And how, how would you go about finding the, like, you know, in a consolidated, concise, you know, in a way of looking at, okay, across the country, I didn't even know University of Texas, Dallas had a program. You mentioned it. Yeah. Um, so how, do you, how would you go about even finding the schools that had that? Well, that, that, it, that in itself is a real challenge. Now, what, now yeah. what is kind of interesting is the hotbed for sales schools happens to be in Texas. And I'm, I'm not a Texan. I'm not a Texan. Interesting. The, the longest running and probably the most recognized school is actually at Baylor, mm -hmm. uh, followed by the University of Houston. Those two schools do very good from, from, a, from a sales stand. So, gee, I'm doing shout outs at Northern Illinois University. Dr. Peterson there has created a really good program. Uh, but University of Texas, Dallas has come out of nowhere in the last five or six years. But you're right. I mean, it, it, it's what, here's something that I find very interesting. Go back 10 years ago and you could not, maybe 15 years ago, you could not find a school mm -hmm. that would recognize sales as a profession. You know, right. no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's marketing. It's marketing. Now we're finally getting to the point where people are realizing sales is something valuable. Yeah, it's um, no, that's good. I didn't know about these three schools in general. Um, yeah. and uh, just uh, and again, the only place that people can get real up to date sales training, um, consulting is usually through firms like yours. Um, that is more uh, you know outside of the academic realm, right? It's more of like self. There is self and you're investing in yourself or the company is yeah. paying for you because you're an employee. It's continuing education kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and right. I think the private market, i.e. the market right. I'm in so forth, will right. always have the upper hand because we can tailor, we can move so much faster. Academia is always going to be bound by just the, um, I don't want to say the ritual, but right. the constraints of accredited universities. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. No fault in that at all. It's just, that's their process. That's their model. Absolutely. Um, so the, uh, the, as we kind of wrap up here, um, what excites you about um, your business in particular, but what do you see in the marketplace um, and in, in just in general from, and it could be anything, it doesn't matter, tech, software, whatever. What do you see in the marketplace? What excites you from a new business development, new company starting uh, opportunity? I can share with you what I see, but and I'll do yeah. that. But uh, what do you see? What, what excites you? Yeah, tremendous number of new tools coming into the marketplace. I mean, right. you know, and, and one of the problems is th there is so much uh, venture capital willing to fund programs, willing to fund companies. And, and I hate to say this. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw this. I'm going to throw some people under the bus here. But there's a lot of startups in the sales space, in the sales tech space, sales enablement space that are really solutions looking for a problem. The problem doesn't even exist, and yet they've come up with the solution. They're crap. They're garbage. Okay, throw them out. Right. Uh, I agree. And, and they just become shiny objects that wind up distracting people. Uh, mm -hmm. But what I do find is that there, there are, you know, you got to find the tools that work for you. We recently just switched CRM systems, mm -hmm. and um, I'm using Nimble. 
I've become a huge, huge fan of Nimble. It's a great CRM system. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful, wonderful CRM system. Uh, I use OneMob as a video tool. Right. Uh, very, very, you know, uh, but, you know, very niched for me. Uh, it, this is one of the challenges, I think. This is the big thing that I think sales, sales has to control their future. Do not let the CEO go to some conference and hear somebody or see something and come back and boom, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because the CEO doesn't know what sales is all about. You know what sales is all about. Drive your future. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you had the, 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 some of the tools that are out there, Nimble and OneMob, um, for your videos. If you, if you uh, find Mark on LinkedIn, you'll see that uh, he has a lot of videos in OneMob. He's always doing a 10-second, a, a 15-second video wherever he's traveling through. He stops in the middle of the airport and does something uh, and, and puts it up. And, uh, you know, and there it is. So it's out there for you to, 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 uh, to listen to. Um, lightning round of questions, but I'm gonna give you uh, uh, an opportunity that I see in the marketplace. Uh, and since we get a lot of feeds and data because of what we do here, um, we're in different verticals, so we see stuff. Uh, a lot of opportunity in the transportation space. Um, the last mile, um, particularly with the Amazon, you know, Amazon effect, um, a lot of the, there's huge opportunities in the last mile, delivery services, there's not enough truck drivers. Um, there's a, that whole Uber kind of model, uh, part-time driver, all that kind of stuff, huge opportunities there. People could figure out a way to get the trucks, get the bodies. Um, they can have a nice, a nice business. And that's just one idea of like maybe 20 that we see things going on in the marketplace that are disruptive in nature. Uh, and there's a lot of disruption happening in the marketplace in different industry verticals that we see. And since you know, we, we operate in a couple of different verticals and we have a couple of different businesses other than Lisa sales rep. So the, it's, it's things that we see because we, get, we eat a lot of data here. Um, well, hey, can, can, let, let me jump on that. This sure. is this whole supply chain management. And one of the things I think salespeople really would do themselves a good service in, and that is really understand what, is, what does your supply chain look like all the way through in whatever industry you work in. Mm-hmm. And like you talk about that whole last mile, it is amazing how the, 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 uh, the transportation industry is, is going through a revolution right now. Mm-hmm. Why? Because various elements of the supply chain are being disrupted. And as salespeople, we owe it to our customers to help them work their way through those challenges. Absolutely. So I, I definitely, there's a lot of opportunity and we have to stay focused as an entrepreneurial organization that we can't we can't take advantage of every single thing. It's just that we have to take see opportunity and move on those that we can execute on. So uh, we're extremely focused here. But I just wanted to hear uh, mm-hmm. your, your thoughts. Um, lightning round questions for you, um, and uh, it's just basically one answer, one response type of question. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee, black, a lot. <laughs> Hot or cold coffee? Hot, hotter the better. <laughs> and I don't care how hot it is outside, I'm drinking hot coffee. I'm the same way. Uh, that's interesting. It must be a sales thing. Um, uh, beach or mountains? Oh, mountains for sure. I could care less about the beach. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, hot or cold weather? Oh, hot weather. I, lo- I love running in hot weather. Okay. Oh, great. Um, your favorite food? Whatever's in front of me. I am not a foodie. Oh. <laughs> and, and the only two rules I have, 
it can't be looking at me, can't be looking back at me, and it cannot be moving. Other than that, I'll eat it. Right. The one in the eyes or head looking at you, and it has to be, uh, has to be just cooked. Not, just not crazy about that. <laughs> All right. Um, the preferred sport. Oh, preferred sport, football. All right. You're a football fan. All right. Team. Team. You know what? I really don't have a – well, okay. University of Nebraska Cornhus Cornhuskers, since I do live in Nebraska. That's a college team. They won't kick me out of the state now. Okay, boom. Okay, I'm safe. <laughs> uh, Android or Apple? Apple. I'm, I'm an Apple man all the way through. Okay. Laptop or desktop? Laptop. Okay. Watch or no watch? No watch. Okay. Here's Lowers. my watch. Here's my oh, yeah. watch. It's called an iPhone. I got you. And that's interesting. A lot of people have it. That's what they use to watch. Um, loafers or shoes with laces? Shoes with laces. That says a lot about somebody. You know that? Uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, hard workers, they say. Gumshoe, kind of, let's make it happen kind of thing, you know? Uh, back in the day before they had loafers. <laughs> uh, I, I do both, by the way. Uh, and favorite non-alcoholic drink? Diet Dr. Pepper. Okay. So you're Dr. P, huh? My, uh, Dr. Pepper. My, uh, my oldest son is Dr. Pepper, not diet. <laughs> well, when he gets older, he'll turn into diet, Dr. Pepper. I'm just saying. Just saying. There's a threshold. There's a threshold in life that you cross over. Yeah, it's over 50. <laughs> uh, hit me a lot younger than 50. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> I got you. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Sales Prospector Show and the interview with Mark Hunter. Uh, from the sales hunter. He's the owner of the sales hunter, a, uh, a consulting sales training coaching firm. He's also a, a gifted speaker and the uh, author of high profit prospecting that uh, Lisa sales rep has. And we've given it to some of our sales reps as well. So we'd recommend you uh, get this book for your collection. Mark, thank you so much. I love, I, I love chatting with you and, and enjoyed the sales conversation. Thank you. And great selling. You too, buddy. All the best. Thank you.